0: This is the Negro League Podcast with Preach Jacobs. The Negro League. I go by the name of Preach Jacobs. We are sponsored by Mobile The Soul Clothing. Go to mobilethesoul.bigcartel.com. We're also sponsored by Down East Records. Go to downeastrecords.com or Down East Records on all the social media. It's been a while since I've done this. I forgot how to fucking do my uh, <laughs> do my drops. Hold on, I'll turn this volume up. Uh, forgot how to do my drops on this motherfucking thing because I don't know the last time we did a pod. Um, technically, the last pod you probably saw was a the Thelonious drunk one that we even sat on for a while. Before the whole Rona thing happened So it's like, you know, it's been difficult to get people in to do interviews and shit like that When, when we scared that a nigga gonna cough and, and we get sick up um, So this is gonna probably be an interesting pod Cause like, it's trying to compact a bunch of little shit uh, together Cause it's been a few months since you guys heard from me So this episode, I have two conversations on here I have one, uh, well I have two with reoccurring guests We have Dr. Shari Dade Uh, who's a psychologist in this area and um, she has a podcast called three psychs and a mic with her and two other uh, psychs that be talking about mental health issues and all that good stuff so we talked about um, dealing with the rona and dealing with kind of the the global trauma that we're experiencing at the same time you know what i mean because i i went through a couple of phases with this and it's kind of one of the reasons why i didn't want to think about the podcast for a while was that You know, the first part of it, you're excited, not excited, but you're like, yo, I got time to get shit done. Let me let me write this book. Let me (laughs) do these motherfucking podcasts. And then when it doesn't happen, you start beating yourself up. So we talked about that a little bit about just trying to survive all this stuff because it's really, really abnormal. Um, And then we talked to the homie Juan Holiday, who's on an episode a while back, um, probably about a year ago. Uh, the episode that I did with the homie tall black guy, Juan, was in it, but he kind of dropped in. and He didn't have an episode to himself. So um, I've known my brother for for about a decade plus. Uh, we play together in a band called The Secret B-Sides and um, just an amazing, amazing uh, singer, artist and a better person. Uh, so if you listen to like some of the, the new shit that I've been putting out. He's on my new album that I'm working on. He's on the song that I have called How Does It Feel. He's on the hook crooning like a motherfucker. And we got a few other joints that we're working on. But we had, like, a great conversation about being an artist right now and and what to go through and what to do. Uh, So I thought that was really, really great. So you get to get both of these conversations. This may seem like an extra long episode of the pod, but, you know, ain't like y'all motherfuckers got anything to do. So just listen to this motherfucking podcast. And, I'm again, I'm sorry for being kind of out of the loop, but, but, you know, I, I needed that time that emotional uh you know time to kind of figure some shit out because it's like all right am i gonna have a job <laughs> like you know what i mean I'm gonna, I'm gonna be able to pay my rent and you know what i gotta do so um so yeah so that's what i'm that's what i'm working on um and well, it's a couple of things i wanted to talk about before i got into it uh i think uh here's the thing we just finished the uh ten part series, the uh last dance of Jordan shit. And and there'll probably be another episode of me and the homie Napoleon talking about this. I'm I'm definitely sure of that. Uh but I wanted to talk about it a little bit on my end. And that was the other reason why I think I waited to, to do the pod, because there's there's some stuff that I just wanted to talk about with the with, with the documentary, but I wanted to wait until it was all done. Um and I, I kind of stole this idea from the Bill Simmons podcast where he uh, read some stuff that he wrote, like some columns that he's written, and all that good stuff. So uh, I think I'm going to do that in a second. But before I get into it, here's kind of some of my first thoughts about uh, since they finished the podcast, not the podcast, but finished The Last Dance, literally last night. Um, it's Ten part series. I think uh, the most interesting part about it was the, the, the Steve Kerr story last night it was really intense um the Rodman storyline was really really great you know the Jordan stuff was cool right it's like for the most part if you're a Jordan fan you're not hearing new shit right like this this thing didn't break any news And, and in a way I wouldn't say that's disappointing but in a way I'm like all right cool it's like I had conversations with some friends about it and and I agreed with Ken Burns and Ken Burns who is the the premier documentary guy like he does all the great documentaries like he did the jazz one he did a one on country recently he did the jack johnson one and and he kind of and this wasn't a diss i I think a lot of people took it as a diss but it wasn't a diss he basically said you know this isn't um journalism and i agree with him because jordan and his team uh had final cut on everything and they're part of the process so a lot of times when you're talking about doing these like you know, deep dive documentaries The subject isn't usually involved And I'm not saying that it's not going to be good It's not going to be entertaining But when I when I realized that It's not going to be one of those things Where if Jordan doesn't feel like talking about some shit He ain't going to talk about it And so when I was telling friends that I really felt that it was like A fluff piece on Jordan You know, they took offense But, you know um, It's the truth And I still enjoyed it You know So That didn't mean that it wasn't enjoyable. They were very, very enjoyable, and I didn't take it as a diss, and I wasn't dissing when I said that. But let's be clear, nothing don't come out of that motherfucker if Jordan doesn't approve it. So there were some glaring holes in it that that I felt. Um, One, Craig Hodges uh, wasn't on it, and I know some people didn't think it made or break it, but I thought it was interesting when you're talking about – the battle that Jordan had internally about, like, you know, Republicans, why shoes too, which I'm going to read a column that I wrote about that. Number two, <laughs> Juanita ain't on this motherfucker. <laughs> and I heard somebody have kind of a good point about it because, like, I felt like it's been probably like four years they've been trying to convince Jordan to do this before it started to happen. And so I think Rosillo on the Bill Simmons podcast was saying, imagine you're trying to pitch this idea to Jordan. Hey, we got this footage, we we know about the last dance concept, let's try it. And he's like, nah, I don't think so. Then you come back a year later, you try to pitch it again, but hey man, we really have this great footage, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. Hmm, maybe. Then you come back again and, and you're like, hey, um, would you be interested in doing it? And Jordan's like, you know what, let's do it. He's like, great, we want to talk to everybody, blah, 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 you know, the family, Juanita. And then Jordan's like, that's a deal breaker though. He's like, I can see the directors is being like, all right, well, I'm not going to lose the opportunity to have this documentary quote unquote documentary just because we can't talk to Juanita. So for the most part, it's been a glorified 10 hour Nike commercial. And that's not to say that it wasn't entertaining, but it wasn't necessarily journalism, but it's great to fucking hear Jordan drop F bombs and, and all that good stuff. So, so those are some of the the things where I felt like they should have, ta- they should have touched on some stuff um, a little bit more. Uh, I did not like how, uh, Krause got buried as the general manager of the team for breaking it up, but there was an actual fucking owner of the team to let that shit happen. And kind of they touched on it slightly on the last episode. Like with the owner, well, you know, he finally came out and was just like, you know, I couldn't afford him after the six rings. I can't keep this these niggas together. Which I still think is bullshit. But, you know, The general manager couldn't do that type of shit that he got buried for if it wasn't for the owner allowing it. So in a way the general manager is speaking on behalf of the owner when the owner, you know, "Ah, I want to be liked. So that part of it was just kind of annoying. And also like, (laughs) Kenny Lattimore, nigga. (laughs) Jordan Jordan was like there was like a scene where Jordan was on the bus, he had the headphones on and and the, the, I guess the, the guy, the cameraman was like, what do you listen to? Mike Joe's was like, Kenny Lattimore, this ain't out yet. You know, I got it early because, you know, you know, yeah, we, we, we friends. And I bet you that white cameraman was like, okay, <laughs> like the weakest flex in the world, the wackest fucking flex in the world. So I think I'm going to call this, this episode Kenny Lattimore. Um, but, yeah, so so that's so that's kind of like my takes on a lot of this stuff. Again, I enjoyed it. It was fun. But there was nothing that was news to me. There was no breaking news. So I can't imagine, you know, like the homie Bobby who got two sons that are really young that never got a chance to see Jordan play. Something like this I can imagine would just be great for them to see. Um, So, yeah, um, that's my take on the podcast. Not the podcast. keep saying the podcast. Uh, I've been rusty, nigga. I ain't been here in a while. But that's pretty much my take on the doc. And let me get into this column that I wrote. So I write a I write a column for a newspaper here uh, in Columbia, South Carolina. The, the paper is called the Free Times, and I have a column called "Fight the Power," where I just write about what the fuck I want to write about. Um, so this is the headline: It says "Fight the Power." Republicans wear sneakers, but does that justify MJ not speaking out? Here we go. As I get my uh, audio book on, Michael Jordan is the goat. He's also the ratings goat during COVID-19 with the ESPN documentary, The Last Dance, about his final championship season with the Chicago Bulls getting phenomenal numbers from a public yearning for sports related content. On one recently aired episode, the conversation surrounding Jordan's infamous Republicans by Sneakers 2, quote, opened up some new wounds and new arguments about black activism when you're in a position of influence. Chris Rock has a great quote about the nature of black celebrity. To white people, Tom Hanks is a good actor. Denzel is a god to his people. That pressure and responsibility is something that I, as a black man and once a black kid, didn't escape me while watching this episode. One of the voids in the last dance documentary is that of Craig Hodges, Jordan's teammate who helped get two of his six rings with Chicago Squad. Hodges, also from Chicago, was on record with his activism, which he talked about in his book, The Long Shot. Triumphs and struggles of an NBA freedom fighter. He did everything from trying to convince Jordan and Magic Johnson to stage boycotts to organizing protests against the league having more than 75% black players but zero black owners. Ironically, Jordan is now the league's sole African American owner. Hodges' input in the doc not being there is disappointing and it begs a question. Jordan didn't use his platform to speak up, but what do we do about the ones that did? Not only did we have Hodges thumbing the authorities by wearing a dashiki to the White House after a bull's championship, we also had players like Mahmoud Abdul Raouf, nay Chris Jackson, who made headlines as the first player to not stand for the national anthem telling a reporter uh, telling a reporter that the flag was a symbol of oppression and tyranny. You can't be for God and be for oppression Abdul Rauf posits in a 2017 Washington Post interview that his experience is duplicate of Colin Kaepernick's. But the public, and maybe the black public, didn't overwhelmingly put their arms around Raouf or Hodges. Is that because they weren't the best players? When the doc examines Jordan's Republicans and Shoes quote, it's with the backdrop of Jordan refusing to publicly endorse Harvey Gantt, the African-American former mayor of Charlotte in his Senate against noted racist Jesse Helms. It's unclear whether Jordan's endorsement would have made a difference. His airedness admitted to donating to the campaign, and Gant doesn't hold any ill will against Jordan, as he expressed in a recent interview with Time Magazine. Maybe it's unfair that Jordan had this expectation put on his back when he said all he wanted to do was be the greatest ball player he could be, which he definitely did. We didn't have the same expectations of Magic Johnson, who was the face of the league before MJ. In a way, Johnson's career was void of any controversy, though, He met the challenge when he was shoved into a life of advocacy after contracting HIV. I can't remember a better spokesman about the virus when I was growing up. But we want to say Jordan's name in the same vein as Muhammad Ali, because Ali set the standard of the greatest using his platform to speak for us. That's a tall act to follow, even if you are Michael Jordan. Ironically, when I think about Jordan, I think of another African-American boxer, Jack Johnson, who became the first black heavyweight champ in 1910. He was big, he was black, he had gold teeth, dated white women, and the term, the great white hope, came from the country trying to find a white man to take the belt from Johnson. Was Johnson known for being an activist for black people? Nah. But in a way, his existence was a protest. When Duke Ellington became the band leader of the Cotton Club in the 1920s, the black community rejoiced. But blacks weren't allowed to even attend the club. Is it a stain on the legacy that he didn't put his foot down? No. We look at Duke as an amazing talent that was second to none. This is a weird place to be. Looking back, I personally wish that Jordan would have been more vocal, but I also had 12 pairs of Jordans in my closet. It's really 13. And zero Air Hodges. It's a fine line, but it's why I love Ali, LeBron James, Tim Brown, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Bill Russell, Kurt Flood, the guys at the top of that game that didn't close their mouths. Still, maybe, Shaw, maybe Jordan saw how Ali was treated and chose to be more cautious. Either way, we have to admit that there are two ends of the black athlete spectrum. On the low end, there's O.J. Simpson. On the high end, there's Ali. Jordan is somewhere in the middle, and maybe that's okay. Thank you all for uh, putting up with me as I stumble through this motherfucker. We're about to get into the first interview that we have with Dr. Charby Dade. Um, also, again, we're sponsored by Mobetta Soul Clothing. Go to mobettasoul.bigcartel.com. Buy some shit from the website to help a, a starving artist uh, make ends meet during a time of the Rona. Love y'all. Talk to y'all soon. Peace ladies and gentlemen we're back here with an Eagle League podcast um so i did a little intro before we got into this and every once in a blue moon we have like a guest on the show and sorry if it sounds weird we're not in the same room um as i usually am this is a returning guest that we have here we have dr dade one third of the podcast three sykes and a Mike. could you tell hey hey the audience more about yourself
1: yeah, yeah. Um, like Preach said, I am one third of Three Sikes and a Mic, which is also a podcast. Um, so I'm a trained clinical psychologist and on Three Sikes and a Mic, we just basically talk about day to day concerns, events, just kind of what's happening um, in society and we be, talk about it from a psychological perspective and so I'm here joining the Negro League podcast today to talk a little bit about the topic that preach is going to broach in a minute but that's a little bit about me small town girl I was on an episode a while back so
0: yeah long 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 yeah. long long time ago that was, yeah, yeah it that felt was... like,
1: like almost a year ago yeah really
0: yeah, I think
1: you're right. I feel like, yeah.
0: Shit, yeah. I've been doing this a year. All right, well, great. How how long have you guys been doing Three psychs in a Mic? Has it been a year?
1: So we've been doing Three psychs in a Mic for about seven months now, maybe eight. Uh-huh. I lose track of time with this whole corona stuff. Like, I feel like it's still, it's just one long day. But I think it's been like seven and a half, eight months.
0: All right. So in your in your field of work, how has the Rona affected you um, in a way of, you know, having to adjust with, with patients.
1: Yeah. So, um, I don't necessarily do patient care right now, which I'm grateful for, but, um, I of course have other friends who are doing patient care and the coronavirus, this pandemic that we're going through plays a huge role on the current mental health of so many people, Um, In so many different ways, Um, we've, we've been kind of forced into our homes. And what we know about mental health and mental wellness is that isolation is one of the larger factors that really, really negatively impacts symptoms. And so, As you can probably assume, there's been an increase in isolation, an increase in distance, and oftentimes that really just ignites a lot of symptoms connected to mental health and wellness. Mm -hmm. And so it's it's a big, like it's been a pretty significant impact um, on just mental health, mental disorders, mental health concerns.
0: Well, I guess this kind of plays into to one of the things I wanted to ask you about because um, I'm a columnist here and. I wrote a column about, you know, kind of jokingly saying we need to have a mulligan for 2020. But one of the bigger things that I said in it that I kind of want to step back on um, is I made a comment in there basically saying, hey, this is the time to, you know, if you want to write the great American novel, write that shit. If you want to make music, create art. And, and, (laughs) and And I feel like those things are very, very valid. But I had to catch myself because, you know, that's a ridiculous amount of pressure right like if you you're stuck in isolation and quarantining for months and like (laughs) if you don't know how to speak another language by the time you are done there could be a sense of like fucking failure that's attached to that so 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 talk to us about um i guess the approach of you know not having to lose 30 pounds and and not having to create (laughs) the greatest thing like what what would you what would your advice be for people that are struggling um with just surviving
1: No, that's a really good point cuz I've been seeing all over the place like on social media, just articles about kind of this is the time to hustle, you know, um so many messages about you've got this extra time so you have to come out on the other side with these skills and with a lot of, you know, like you said, learn a new language, losing 50 pounds, your corona body and all this stuff yeah. that has come out of, you know, people basically saying, use this time to be as productive as possible. And, you know, I definitely can understand where that's coming from. And for some people, when they're in um, high anxiety situations, productivity or, you know, busying themselves and doing things is the way that they cope. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's the way that they, you know, distract away from the distress but for so many people, um, when you're in a state of trauma, because basically what we're going through right now, nationwide is a global trauma. Yeah. We're all going through it at the same time. And for so many people, when you're in the midst of a trauma, it's extremely difficult to be productive for a number of reasons, right? So one is that you're, you Your body is in overload. So trauma basically causes what we call that fight or flight system, which is the system that activates your body and keeps you safe. Mm -hmm. It causes that system to be ignited. When that system is ignited, it's really difficult to, one, pay attention, to focus, to concentrate It's also really difficult to do what we call like those executive functioning, executive functions, which is logic, which is create to sit down and actually be, um, focus on one thing. And so oftentimes that productivity piece is lost because your body is literally just trying to stay alive day to day. Yeah. Right. So that fight or flight system is activated. Um, oftentimes when you're in a traumatic situation, you're worried. Like there's so much uncertainty that's happening in this pandemic. Like we don't know how long it's going to last. We don't know, you know, if it's going to impact, us or impact someone close to us. And so being productive oftentimes is not the first thing on people's minds. I often say, if you've got time to write a book right now, that's a privilege because yeah. some people are sitting and waiting for their loved ones to come out of a coma, right? Yeah. Some people are home with their children and trying to juggle work and home and everything else that life is throwing at them right now. And so it's really, really important for us um, to be able to say, yes, if being productive is your coping strategy and it's getting you through great, like do what you need to do, write that book, learn that language, you know, lose those pounds, whatever is on your list, like get that done. But If you're in a space and you find yourself having difficulty with being productive, give yourself a little bit of grace, you know, give yourself a little bit of self-compassion and allow yourself to understand that this just isn't a vacation. This isn't a normal time off. We're actually in the middle of collective trauma,
0: you know, and and uh, that's spot on because, you know, I've I've taken that approach of trying to be productive. Right. Like it's, you know it's sort of like the theory about like wars, like economies feel like economists feel like, Oh, you know, if you have a war that doesn't last very long, it can actually help boost the economy because it can help morale and you can, you know, have production and stuff like that. But if it lasts too long, there's like a lull and there's like a, 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 an emotional toll that kind of comes attached to it. So like those first few days when you're at home, I'm like, Oh shit, I'm gonna write this. I'm gonna do this and blah, 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 you know? (laughs) um, But, but, when I started thinking more and more about it and hearing people talk about just the survival of it, I had to take time for myself to be like, "Yo, even if I'm not doing shit today, that's me doing shit." <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. you know, so oh, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm I'm digging deeper, and I want to see what your thoughts are on this. Is that I started thinking more about my family and thinking about you know my grandmother and my grandmother when I listened to stories about her and stories about older relatives all of their stories were about work you know what i'm saying like my grandmother's like one of her first jobs were uh, was she had to clean white folks clothes And this is pre washer washing machines so they literally had to take dirty clothes yeah. to the river and beat them shits out with rocks and right right and that was just kind of instilled with always working always working you know my mama tell me stories when she was growing up you know <laughs> think about it like this like like the kids would get yelled at for reading books why get sitting around reading the book <laughs> you know what I mean like like and 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 I think about it from the perspective of when my grandmother got older before she passed we would get frustrated with her because we just want her to relax like we would like granny sit your ass down like why do you have to try to cry cl- right. why do you have to wash the curtains right now <laughs> you know what I'm saying and 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 I wonder the the inability to chill is that a part of trauma as well or is that a a form of ptsd of like oh shit you know if if i relax everything will collapse i have to be working at all times
1: yeah yeah i mean i i I honestly think that's like sewn into the very fabric of our society Mm -hmm. um you know and and sewn into the fabric of like so I've got like the society as far as like American culture just in, on one hand and it's sewn into that. But then I also I'm thinking about like black culture yeah. as well and just kind of the overlaps. Um, but I think it's a big part of our culture, this hustle or die, mm-hmm. um, because like literally that used to be the case. Either you hustle, right? Either you figure out how to. Mend the mend the ground like you know. You figure out how to grow your own food. You figure out how to like make your own clothes, or you literally perish, right? Yeah. And so, like, I feel like that mentality, especially for for Black people, has been passed down so much. Like, you literally have to make your way, or you you know you and your you know your children you don't make it. Yeah. And so, I think the privilege of chilling, right? So the privilege of being like, I'm going to just, you know, hang out today. I'm not going to do anything. And I still got my provisions made for me. Like that's a fairly recent privilege that we have. Um, does that mean that it's not, it's not a good, like, does it mean it's not a good thing and we should continue to hustle or die? No, I'm very opposed to the whole hustle or die complex. Mm -hmm. Um, because it doesn't breed healthy mental health. Um, and so, but I do think it is a big part of our society, a, a huge part of our culture. And I do think it's been passed down from generation to generation and it has become no longer about actual survival. And now it's just this illusion of busy. Like I'm just going, 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 but I'm not really making Any moves, so to
0: speak. Does that make sense? Yeah, I I guess it's one of those things where it's just like, you know, the more that I'm active, I'm not alone with my thoughts. You know, I'm not, I'm not sitting down and thinking about, you know, my family and and worried about like, you Mm -hmm. know, communicating with my kids or whatever, whatever. And that comes from, and that you know, over the years, it's like I've gotten much better with my father. Like we're much closer now than I was growing up. And I used to always feel as if, um. You know, I was like, man, this guy hates me. You know what I mean? And and, and when I mm-hmm. got older, I just realized, you know, he comes from a rural black country ass background where, yeah. where they didn't talk to their kids. Like they didn't talk to children at all. Sure. So you, you grew up in a culture of, it's basically like, look, food, food on, on the table, closing your back, roof over your head, shut up. And, and, mm-hmm. and I realized that, you know, w- my father and I had to train each other because in his mind, his job was just to be the provider. And that's what he thought he was supposed to do. There was never anything instilled in him as being the communicator. (laughs) You know what I mean? And so
1: doing both of those things exactly. Like he was terrified. He
0: was terrified of it. And so I would randomly thinking about this as far as we're talking about the hustle and the work and the stuff that's instilled in us. And I really think that's such a really, really cultural Black American thing. I, I just have to say, I think the biggest injustice as far as stereotypes in the world right is that there was always a stereotype that there's like oh the lazy black kid the black guy the lazy black guy and blah 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 step and fetch it and i'm like how how does that concept exist when that racism and those stereotypes came from you know Mm -hmm. the south 1800s and probably prior to that with slavery attached to it how the fuck are right. you, how could you be a lazy slave, <laughs> right? Like, I don't understand, yeah, yeah. I don't understand how that, how that kind of uh, got attached to black people in America. That Like, oh, where
1: that comes from, right. Yeah,
0: oh, they're lazy, like, how,
1: what plantation? Because it's almost like antithetical, right? Yeah. Like, how how are you, like you said, how are you a lazy slave? You yeah, know? But, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, stereotypes are, are put out for a reason, like, they're there to distort the narrative, right? Mm. To change the narrative. And so, you know, they're never there to, to improve, you know, the, the group that it's about, right? So it's there to distort the narrative. Um, and so if we do have these hard workers, right, these inventors, these people who are, like, building our society, and it ain't us, then why wouldn't we, like give an antithetical statement yeah. and say like, nah, like these people are lazy, you know, like they're worthless. They're lazy. So, you know, that's just kinda how I think about it.
0: Well, I feel like people have to create those those stereotypes of people to to justify the the terrible things you're doing to them right so if like right. if, if you start thinking oh, yeah. that like oh black people are subhuman then you don't think twice when yeah. you're treating them like animals you know and so
1: oh most certainly so anytime that you dehumanize an, a person anytime that you dehumanize a human it allows you to inflict pain and trauma on that person well you know? um so yeah
0: so so here's a question i think kind of slides into that a little bit there's this and 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 by all means, I think we have, uh, it's a valid case of, of the leadership, like, like, you know, president 45, where I said in a column, I said, you know, having Trump navigate us through a pandemic is like needing to go to the hospital. And the only person that can drive you there is Stevie Wonder. And I would still (laughs) trust that more than him. And I bring that up because there's this, there's this, um, there's this inherent thing with with a lot of black folks that I that I know that they don't believe the pandemic they don't believe that it's as serious as it is and I don't know if this is something systematically with us where we're basically like we just don't trust anything that comes from the government and and truth be be told we've had terrible reasons to to feel that way you know what I mean is there anything that you're noticing in your field of people that you might speak to that are too lackadaisical about this or don't think that it's that big of a deal and I bring that up because I saw that the the outbreak of of COVID-19 in Chicago is uh was traced back to two family gatherings now I don't know if those are black family gatherings but
1: Hmm. but it
0: also kind of reinforces the idea that it's two family gatherings which is people that didn't take it um, serious enough so is there anything that you come yeah. across where you see people that are basically saying oh this isn't a big deal at all and and what thoughts you might have behind that
1: well I mean you know and to like broaden it like I think in general like there are groups of people who aren't taking this seriously you know I mean we're in South Carolina and we still aren't on a stay at home order right not not a real one yeah. you know what I'm saying so I think, you know, there are large groups of people who aren't taking it seriously. And when you think about, like, just the psyche of things, and I can even, like, self-disclose and say, like, I don't think it got really real for me until maybe, like, three weeks ago. And that happened because it got closer to me. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? It was no longer... Oh, you know, that's happening over in California or that's happening over in New York. Like it got closer. It was, you know, three degrees separation, two mm-hmm. degree separation. Somebody I know personally. And so just as humans, it's really hard to empathize with things that we've never experienced. Yeah, And so I think being able to like empathize and being able to feel things a little bit closer makes it more real. You know, and, and some people jump on that train much quicker than others, unfortunately. Um, but I definitely think that you're onto something for real, as far as like people not taking it seriously or people saying like, ah, You know, I still have conversation with people who are like, we just doing too much. Well, you know, we doing too much. Why we got to wear these face masks? Why we got to shut down things? And it's like people are really dying. You know what I'm saying? And there's another
0: and there's another part of that 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 I wouldn't just, uh, you know, I'll apologize for making it seem like people aren't taking it seriously. But there's a lot of, you know, people and, and the numbers seem to be more and more skewed towards black and brown people in America where there's a lot of black and brown people that they just have to go to work you know what i'm saying and they have to bear right. they have to bear with these conditions um yeah because certainly. i mean maybe maybe their jobs are, are seen as essential or a lot of um you know a lot of people that have jobs and i know i've been affected by this where it's like yo you work retail you know there's no such thing as you know uh 401k's or vacation right. times right. and things like that um yeah so no
1: i think you're right on spot with that like black and brown people were more likely to be in the service injured industries that aren't allowed to work from home you know or we can't like you can't work from home if you got to drive the city bus you know what i'm saying so you know it definitely hits our our communities very very differently
0: Well, okay speaking of speaking of city bus um There was a Detroit bus driver, I don't know if you saw this, it's about a week or so ago, where he he made an Instagram live video where he was talking about, like, yo, like, I'm driving this bus, you know, putting myself at danger. All we ask is, like, you know, take extra precautions. And he was talking about this woman that was on the bus that was just coughing her head off, never covering her mouth. And he was basically saying in the video, like, yo, like, you know, we need to be better than that, blah, 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 blah. Right. right. he, He died two days later.
1: Yeah, he passed away. Right? Yeah,
0: right. yeah. Um, yeah. From a psychological perspective, it's like anytime I see these stories of of people, and I saw another one today of somebody's in the grocery store and they're coughing on thirty five thousand dollars worth of of inventory, so people have to throw stuff out, or there's people spitting on food, or I saw that some lady went somewhere and did something similar to that. What is that? Like is there is there a medical term that's associated with it? I mean, I don't want to I don't want to be dismissive and say, you know, people say crazy, but it's not necessarily, you know, not accurate. Right. You know what I mean? So I'm saying like what <laughs> what are the motivations if 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 you were assigned to speak to someone and they were like, "Yeah, I just spat on the food for the hell of it." Like, what the hell is that? I
1: mean, I mean, I don't think it takes a psychologist to say that some people are trash. You know what I'm saying? Could that, like, be, could that be? Could that?
0: can that be your medical opinion? I guess that's my question. It's like, could you just write and be like, "Yo, this person is just terrible." Can you? Can you do that?
1: This person is trash. <laughs> I mean, some people like like I said, some people don't get it until it's at their front door, until it's in their house. Mm. You know. Um, and that's so unfortunate because it's at the sake of other lives. You know what I'm saying? And and some people are so detached from others and so detached from their, their influence on the world that they don't see how their actions are impacting other people. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, oh, I was joking. It was a joke. And it's like, well that joke could have possibly impacted hundreds and thousands of people the way that this is spreading, you know what I'm saying? So, like I said, I don't, I don't think it takes a psychologist to, to say that some people are trash, you know, and I say that joke. Well, no, I don't. Yeah. Well, I th- that stands. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: I guess, you know, cause we're running out of time. I, I did have a question I wanted to touch on for you. There was two things that, that what I said? thought was, I thought was really, really interesting. Um, one of my favorite writers, Damon Young, who wrote a book called What Doesn't Kill You May Too Blacker is uh, a book full of essays about really, really right. just being like the young black experience. And he's been writing these great columns lately. And so there's a column that he wrote recently about um, and he said it kind of tongue in cheek for this one. But it was kind of a like you know, uh, the brothers that are affected. And, and I guess it can happen for women, too. But like the brothers that can't get the haircuts right now, <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? and and we don't think that we're vain until we're in a situation where we can't, you know, go out and do that. So, um the first question would be what do you speak on as far as like that affecting people um emotionally as far as like oh my gosh, you know, I'm, you know, I'm not going to be able to groom the way I want to look, uh be able to look the way I want to look. I can't go and get the pedicures. I mean, it could be vanity attached to that, but for a long period of time, can't that affect people's self-esteem?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, I think we're so connected to our aesthetics, so how we look, how we show up in the world, um, like physically mm-hmm. that these things really detract away from the important thing. And well, I wanna say the important things. It takes away from like the deeper things, like you said, like self esteem self-concept like of course those things are connected and so I think in our society like we've never had to experience something like this in our generation or even generations you know two three times removed from us like we've never had to experience things where it's like all of that doesn't matter you know like you can have the freshest haircut but if you do it at the risk of you know contracting this virus, then what does it matter? You know, and I think oftentimes we don't think about how our aesthetics play a huge role in how we're navigating through the world, you know? And so like not being able to cut your hair or get your cut and not being able to, you know, get your, get your tracks on in or whatever, get your nails done. I've seen a lot of things about like, oh, I, I can't get my nails. I can't get my pedicure or whatever. Like those are the things that Seem to be so pressing right now, but I, I, am hopeful that when we come out of this, we're able to just readjust our views a little bit to see like, what are the things that are actually important? And what are the things that are actually just first world problems? You know what I'm saying? Like. You not being able to get a a crisp line (laughs) is not, (laughs) you know what I'm saying, like on the list of priorities, yeah like let's really readjust that. And I'm out here, you know, me, you talked about this already. Like, why can't y'all cut y'all hair? Like, I don't understand where that came from. Like, how are you this grown? Like you this big age and you don't know how to give yourself a line. That's just strange to
0: me. All right, I think that's kind of judgmental yeah, yeah, coming that's it. judgmental coming from a therapist. I mean because you know a lot of <laughs> a, a lot of dudes don't have opportunities to go and have the self-care. So if, like, you know, we depend on our barber to do it. Like that's what we're doing. I mean, technically, I need you to y- y'all it up y'all can give yourselves pedicures and manicures, but y'all go to the beauty salon. <laughs> we you know, y'all can make a burger at the house, but you go to McDonald's. We get it. So but but, uh, but I can make the know, burger. I got you.
1: We talked about it.
0: <laughs> All right. So, so here's, here's one question, and and, and and I don't know if there's an answer to it, um, but this is something that that I, t- I talked about uh, this week. So Damon Young has another column he did for the Washington Post that came out today, and the headline is called a Masking While Black, a Coronavirus Story. He said, when covering your face could save your life – or get you killed. And his dismount for the article.
1: Yeah, I've been seeing. Yeah, I've been seeing things like this. Go ahead. Sorry. A, so
0: here's a dismount. And he said that I thought was interesting. And I would like to see your hear your uh, reflection on this. He says, um, what do you do now when a mask can both save your life and end it? That Rona is a soulless demon, a cloud with Freddy Krueger's disposition. And the answer is where the mask seems obvious, too. But the math changes real quick if Karen calls the cops on you. So, so
1: yeah,
0: what are your thoughts on something like that? Because it's real because I've, I've, yeah. I've gotten some masks and, and I get paranoid too. Like I put it, I put it on and I'm like, I'm scared to go to the grocery store because I don't know if this could be a time where people can uh, take me being safe as, oh, well, these niggas are going to use this as an opportunity to rob us.
1: Yeah, no, no. I, um, one of my friends, um, sent me an article about that, you know, um, black Twitter had a whole feed about just this like stories of wearing a mask while black right and how the nation is just like you know you know our leaders are like you know put on a mask if you don't have a mask make a mask and they're doing it with like handkerchiefs and stuff you know and it's like well wait a minute that's a little tone death you know it's a little it's a little colorblind to be able to say like, you know, just get a red handkerchief, you know, you and Callie just put on a red handkerchief and go outside. Like it, it's real misplaced. And so I definitely have been seeing this come up. And and I think it's, it shows a really huge blind spot. Um, like I said, tone deaf or colorblindness that is a part apparent in our society. And it's really unfortunate that Black and brown bodies have to be the ones to shine light on those blind spots. You know what I'm saying? To to have to say like, yeah, you're telling me to wear a mask, but if you send me into this store, are they going to think I'm trying to rob them? You know, like if I send my little cousin to the store and be like hey put this mask on like what is that gonna look like put this handkerchief on like we have to have thoughts about what that looks like we have to have those moments to say like as a black person existing in this white world like what is that gonna look like and what implications is that gonna carry and it's really unfortunate that we have to be the ones to to be at the table to say like nah that's not gonna fly you know that's not gonna that's not gonna go in our communities and outside of our communities
0: i have a story that's similar to this and and i guess this would be what we'll end it on so maybe about a few years ago on christmas um it was late at night and it was like literally that that morning of christmas like maybe two or three in the morning i'm hungry as shit and i and i'm like well the only place is open is like a, a a mcdonald's that's 20 minutes away I was starving so I go to McDonald's and on my way back on the street this near this neighborhood close to my house on the street there was literally a woman laid out on the ground like laid out and what? yeah it's like 2 in the morning and I stopped my car and I, I'm like did this woman get shot you know I don't know what's going on so I doubt 911 and I'm telling the the dispatcher I was like yo I'm on such and such street yada yada yada. there's a lady in the street she's not moving she's on the ground you know um I don't know any 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 of the details she's asked me a couple of questions or whatever and she's like all right well the cops are coming and I was like let me get out the car because I wanted I wanted to check on her. I'm like if there's something that I can do let me check on her and and
1: yeah and
0: it was it was a black dispatch lady and she said kind of like one of those like you know uh Person to person, like black person to black person, she was just like, "Nah, you stay in your car." And I got what she mm. and I got the tone that she said. It was like, "Yo, I know you're trying to help, but I can tell yeah, you're yeah. black. If the cops come and this woman was shot or something happened, if the cops come right. and see you trying to help, they might just assume yeah. that you're the perp." And yeah, yeah, and it fucked with me in a way where I was just like, "Damn." i'm in a situation where it could be a possibility of life and death and i'm more and i'm i'm a, and i'm afraid that me trying to help someone could get me killed right
1: right
0: and and it's
1: a very real thing
0: and shorty was right i should have stayed in the car and and, and luckily the lady the lady was alive she was taken to the hospital i don't know i don't know exactly what happened i think she had like a seizure or something like that, but it makes it even scarier for me. Like what if she had a seizure and, and choked to death or something? And I could have done something, you know what I mean? So, so right, right. those things are absolutely real. And, and and the black people that I know, I know a lot of them I'm just like, nah, I'll, I'll take my chances on, on the virus. I ain't wearing no mask. So, so yeah. yeah so once yeah. again, you know, this white privilege that exists during the pandemic, <laughs> I <It> was
1: like, <laughs> right right no and like i said you know i it's it's horrible that it costs you know like there's such a huge cost on black and brown bodies because of it um so yeah that's real
0: well i think this is all the time that we're gonna have for right now i really thank you once again um if people want to check out your podcast uh tell us how do we find it
1: Yes, yes. So we are um, three psychs and a mic, and that's the number three Sykes, psychs, P S Y C H S, and A N D, a mic. And so you can find us on Spotify, um, you can find us on Apple Music, Google Play. Um, CastBox, Stitcher, pretty much wherever you find your favorite podcast. Um, you can always find us there. You can find us anywhere that you find the Negro League. So wherever you're listening right now, just <laughs> go over, type in Three Sikes and a Mic, and you'll find us. Um, you can also find us on Instagram and Facebook on Three Sikes and a Mic. And if you have any psychological questions, so if you're looking for a therapist, if you have, you know, just some specific questions, you can always email us and that's three psychs in a mic at gmail.com And so we're pretty much all over the place.
0: Or right. well we appreciate it very much for you speaking with us. Thank you so very much and please be safe out yes. there. And um you know I
1: am, I am. Yeah. And I just wanna, you know, remind everybody to have a little bit of self compassion right now practice grace um give yourself grace have self-compassion and compassion for other people um this is a trying time and if we are all going to get through this on the other side we just really gotta make sure that we're taking it day by day
0: well thank you so very much to people that's listening out there i can't wait to hug all of y'all once again maybe not i might just fist bump y'all but either way <laughs> thank y'all so much for listening to the Negro leap podcast Peace.
1: Bye
2: my earbuds in and i'm gonna
0: just go for a little cruise word all right well we recording i ain't gonna hold you up too much i'm probably gonna do like you know a little 20 minute talk or something like that word. okay yeah yeah, yeah. and nice. then um we could figure out what else we want to do because like i like the idea of trying to do like a law session um you know kind of like a social distance law session um, right I wish you could come here, man, because like the setup in here just looks really, really fucking fly. But if we want to get like Shane and stuff in it, I like the idea of us kind of doing a show together where what if we just what if you learn like some acoustic stuff for some of my records and I could play some stuff and you can play some stuff. And it'd be kind of like a a really dope, you know, acoustic performance type of thing. So, yeah, that could be cool. Yeah, I mean,
2: I don't know. I'll ask Shane if he's uh, he, he seems to be a little bit reclusive. Yeah, I at the moment, that. I can understand. <laughs> yeah. But uh, hopefully, I can get him. You know, hopefully, oh. uh, if he's into it, then we can do it.
0: Well, that was my thing that I was gonna say to you is that if if he's reclusive now and it's just you, you're always welcome to come here. Um, yeah, because that this, might be the the setup would be easier. You know what I mean? And I just got a new camera right. and all that good shit. And you know, so I can work it out. But, so, are you um,
2: videotaping taping your uh, your interviews now?
0: Um, not yet. Um, I think, I think the law session would make sense because I need technically two cameras, but like, since I have one camera, I want to use the iPhone as the second camera to get like two angles, you know what I mean? So like, yeah, I think that'd be a really, a really cool way to do it because like when I'm doing an interview, um, you know, it's literally just me just sitting in one spot anyway. You know what I mean? It's not like, it's not much shit to it, but, but you know, that's not to say that that's not something I don't want to do. I think it it would be dope. I mean, especially now people are just fucking hungry for content. So all the stuff that I didn't think people would give a fuck about, people give a fuck about. Like, they want to see what your house looks like. They want to see, you know, how, how much yeah. your hair is growing and shit like that. So, <laughs> you know. Yeah. yeah. So, so how you been holding up, man?
2: Oh, man. I have been, well, I mean, the reality is, is that on the external level, I am in a beautiful place, man. I'm in Asheville. I'm in, like, north of, Downtown Asheville, right across the street from my ex-wife, and and where our children go back and forth between our houses, and it's you know we live like you know where we live. It's like a beautiful place with It's tons of trees. Yeah. It's like a the university's right there. There's all these greenways, and um, so you know, on the one hand, I'm just like, wow, I'm glad that I'm here and not in some you know super concrete jungle like depressing type of place, right? I'm like basically in a forested, the forested city. Yeah. Um, in a real nice part of town, uh, you know, close to my family. So I'm grateful for that. That's, that's number one. But number two is, you know, like internally, I just have a lot going on and, uh, I'm, uh, you know, just going through major breakup in my life. And like, right now you've even got like a hoodie on. That's was her hoodie so I'm like smelling (laughs) I just I was trying to get something to put on to go outside and I grabbed this hoodie and I was like oh this is well, the hoodie that she just gave me back and <laughs> it still well,
0: well, smells I just, like
2: her has her hair on
0: it. Jeez. I, I just uh, posted a picture of a new hoodie that I'm that I'm rocking right now. We need to get you. We need to upgrade your hoodie game. But you also got to think about it like this. So I think it's funny. How often do guys complain that their girls steal their hoodies out? You know, when the relationship is over, like you know, you're missing oh, some yeah. hoodies. So I think it's kind of cool that I, you know <laughs> that you got away with one. <laughs>
2: well, <laughs> I guess so, bro. I mean, she gave it back.
0: <laughs> uh, oh, oh, okay all right. well,
2: but i did get away with one i did take her hoodie like pretty early in the relationship i took a hoodie and gave her a hoodie and then i gave her another one and then recently she gave me two hoodies back so it's just like dang but anyways i'm here's the thing my approach to my approach to this breakup has basically been just i want to feel all the emotions now oh. i want to feel it all you know intensely i'm trying to stay above you know keep my head above water and be like Highly functional, which is sometimes doable and sometimes not. But you know, I want to peel it all right now up front and and get through it, and you know, well, and I, then
0: I, I gotta be done. I got a question for you because this is something but, I was thinking about the um the other day about my father. Right? It's like my my dad and I, I love him, but every once in a blue moon, like we'll go through like our little arguments or whatever, and it's just you know, it's just it's just father son shit, but. I thought about it like this: My dad just retired, and yeah. and I think he retired too early because you know he still got a lot in the tank, and he really loved the place that he was at. He was working for a nuclear plant. Um, when people ask me what does he do, I tell I tell people like he's Homer Simpson, like like he's he, the he, black Homer Simpson. Yeah, that's it. Like, you know, <laughs> but 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 here's what I say: I I, I, I see him struggling with retirement, right? Where yeah. he's trying to figure out what the fuck to do with his time. Then all of a sudden, he's home all the time with my mom and my, my sister who's autistic. And so I think that alone is very, very um, – is a lot, you know what I'm saying, like for, for one sitting. Then on top of that, throw in the Rona, throw in the forced quarantining, you know what I mean? So, yeah. So a part of you saying that you want to just get all this stuff out of your system right now, there's a part of you think that that's a better approach as opposed to like would you have rather – go through this breakup when there wasn't a quarantine? Because, like, a lot of times, like, if you're stuck at home, you can't really leave, you know?
2: Well, I can leave my house, and I'm going on lots of walks, and, like, you know, uh, I'm talking to a few different, you know, a few different women that I'm attracted to. So I feel like it's actually really positive because, you know, everything has to go, in terms of, like, actually moving on, like, physically, everything has to go slow. Yeah. I mean, I'm that way anyway. But, you know, it's a it's a it's a heightened factor of like, OK, leave room for Jesus. You know, like you got to <laughs> yeah. like you can't <laughs> like if I if I like someone enough after talking to them for a while to actually see them, then we got to like walk like six feet apart and maybe go somewhere where there aren't any other people yeah. just to like even see each other. But, you know, and uh, anyways, but the other thing is, too, is like, you know, i'm just getting really into my dreams i'm kind of wondering are my dreams reality and is reality the dream you know because i know that's like something people have been talking about for thousands of years but like uh i saw this youtube video of this guy he's like a he's a conspiracy terrorist uh what's his name uh Forget his name, cause I, I, about I Alex, wasn't really Alex Jones from like Infowars. No, Info Wars? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> not, talking, not that guy. No, okay, good. Uh, what's his name? I forget his name. Uh, something smart. But anyways, um, anyways, he's this black dude, and it, but he had he had this video about uh, about dreams, and he, he was saying that like the dream world is the real world. So like, if you have a dream about your 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 friend's wife, you know. Like, or whatever, if you have a, a dream about, like, your friend's partner, like, that's because you, like, you think she's attractive. Like, that's actually the real world. We're like, but you can't, might, you might not be able to or want to act on it in this world, mm-hmm. but that's just, but that's still the truth, right? You are attracted to her. You do want to sleep with her. <laughs> that's why you're having <laughs> a dream about her, you know? And, like, this is the world where we have to pretend, like, that's not the truth. Or You know what I'm saying? Well, well fair enough. So like,
0: I, yeah. I think it's sort of like a... um Free association writing. Are you familiar with that? I know yeah. you. Pro- yeah, you've probably done it at some point. Like the theory is, you know, for our two listeners because we are recording, it feels like a conversation. Okay, so cool. Like, I want to make sure you, you know, before you start divulging sensitive information. Okay, okay, I don't want to. Like, okay, okay. like where Jimmy Hoffa's buried. You know, I wouldn't do that. But, <laughs> no. but But the idea that that I was taught free association writing or free associative writing, whatever it's called, is that you know when you're writing from the front of your brain, you're constantly thinking about, oh, does this is sound okay? Oh, am I? Am I writing the wrong word? Am I yeah, you're much? constantly editing yourself. Exactly. So at some point, when you're basically just writing and you're not looking back and you're just going with the flow, and just and just writing, this happened to me. Like I'll be like, all right, five pages in of me just writing and not stopping, not giving a fuck if I'm spelling something wrong. At some point, I can always tell when my subconscious kicks in because you start to write some amazing shit and it's stuff that. That you have to get out of your own way in order to hear it. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. Like, it's 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 like stuff that you wouldn't even think that you could think because you're so yeah. constantly you have the pressure of all right when I'm going out and about you're not seeing who I am you're seeing my representative. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? Like yeah, totally. You know,
2: right. But like you know, I mean, it's partly also like what happens to make you know when uh, perhaps you you get drunk or something. You know, it's like you you kind of. You'll say, all right, no longer the representative here. It's like just more of a raw transmission. And I might say some some things that I regret. <laughs> even, yeah. yeah, drunk, right?
0: drunk mind, sober heart. Yeah.
2: Yeah, exactly. Um, Which sometimes I feel also, like
0: I feel like alcoholics would do that just because they don't feel that they could say what they mean unless they have that the liquid courage. You know what I mean? Right. So sometimes like, you know, you know, you get hammered once or twice, you know, as a friendship. Like, all right, cool. I'll look out for my homie. But when you're doing it on a constant basis, I feel like, OK, now you're it's trying. Yeah, exactly. You something know? deeper yeah. that you're like, it's a blockage. Yeah. But I always
2: used to I always used to wish that, you know, I could just in real life that it could be like a lucid dream where it's like, what if what if I could just, you know, do whatever I wanted for like 24 hours? Like I would just walk up to like a window and smash it, like grab a car and just like take somebody's car and just like drive it over and (laughs) crash it. And then like, you know, uh, you just do whatever you want for like 24 hours. And then when you wake up, it's all like, it's all reversed and it's all back to normal. And and none of it happened. Like, you know, so I think part of dreaming is just like you get to do what you can't in real life because you need to get out of your system there so that you don't (laughs) destroy your real life.
0: And I I definitely, you just described grand theft auto yeah exactly <laughs>
2: grand theft auto exactly that's yeah. exactly what it is and,
0: and maybe and maybe that's why you know i don't think i don't think adults really understood but like gaming culture is ridiculous right and it's like i when i was i'm at a record store now but years ago with my old record store before they closed there used to be this argument that oh people aren't buying music anymore they're not buying CDs anymore um maybe it's because you can download it you know um, illegally, but they also tried to say people just aren't spending money on CDs because they don't have it. But yet, a new video game comes out and they're like 60 bucks a piece, and like Grand Theft Auto sells a half a million in a week, right? And so, like, yeah, so the game is six times more than a CD, but people are buying more of those. And my theory was kind of what you're saying is that it's interactive. You know what I'm saying? Like you can get into a game and you can basically do what you want to do. You can you can exercise your personality. There's an uh, ability that you could play with your friends, play with your homies. So I approached that from an artistic level. Sort of kind of the way we do on like the law sessions is that you got to connect with people now. It's not just selling a record or buying a record. People want to know who the fuck you are. And I think, like, yeah. and I think with the Rona – there's an opportunity for artists to, to really, really let people see behind that fourth wall. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah. But the thing is, though, the thing about that is is like, like if you're a really good artist, then you're already letting people see, you know, it's like do, do I want to see how like Erica Badu like makes a cup of coffee? Maybe. <laughs> maybe. But, you know, she's already telling me her like most intimate secrets on yeah. a record. Yeah. So like, it depends on like the artistry, you know, like if somebody's a true master, then like you're seeing beyond like the 18th wall, you know, yeah. if they're if but if they're not, then it's like, OK, then let me see like your car. Let me see your house. Like but with like Erica, I feel like it's like so intimate. It's like I don't need to see like some artists will show you all that. And that's like the new way to do things. But then I feel like for some people, it's like I don't want to see it all because yeah. I, I feel like. I already, I already have like the most intimate part. And like, I just want to close my eyes and listen to your music. And, yeah. and that's, that's, that's saying a lot because most musicians right now, I get tired of their music. I want to see their interviews. I want to see their blog, their, their vlogs. You know, I want to see all that, like what you're talking about. I want to see their Instagram, but like, but mostly I I get more, in- I get more into interviews than I, than I get into music as of late because it's like I want to know exactly what you're saying. I want to know more about the person. And then once I'm like halfway into the interview, and they tell me all about how a certain song was written, then like I pause the interview, I go over, I check out the song, and I'm like, oh wow, this is this yeah. makes this has more meaning to me now because you know because I uh, heard what went into it behind
3: the scenes.
0: I guess that's yeah. Like, I guess that's like the the danger of pop stars, right? Is that pop stars <laughs> they make a career out of being so fucking perfect, you know what I mean? It's like, hey, right. you know, you're not going to see me without makeup and all of my songs going to be immaculately produced and blah, blah, blah. Right. And then when you start finding out about the shit that they're going through, that's when, oh, no, where did this come from? Like, that's my Whitney Houston thing, right? Because Whitney Houston, the way she was living her life and the way her music sounded were two different things, right? Because like, Whitney's music was just just happy shit. And yeah, and, and she passed him a drug overdose. You know what I mean? And so right. Like, and so maybe that's the balance, right? Maybe maybe that's the artistry of being like, yo, because at some point, if you're projecting this, this, this perfection, you can't hold that forever. <laughs> like, You know what I mean? Yeah, because as soon, yeah. as, as, soon as you have a, a human a moment, like, it's going to be weaponized against you. You know what I mean?
2: Oh, totally. I mean, look at uh, uh, Eddie Murphy, right? So he was smart about kind of re-entering uh his career at a time where it you know it is more revealing about your past you know perhaps so he kind of like prepped himself (laughs) as he was coming back in for his uh his uh netflix specials right yeah he was uh he i forget what he said but he was basically like look (laughs) i'm eddie murphy i have a past like don't be surprised uh (laughs) yeah you know, when like you find out something about me, um, but I'm going to like, you know, I'm going to do this anyway. And like, you know, I thought that that's interesting. Well,
0: I, I um, think I think there's something dope about Eddie, because I think he's one of the rare people that didn't let the celebrity take him over. Like, if you think about it, there's a lot of similarities between like Eddie and Dave Chappelle. Dave Not, Chappelle. You know what I mean? Not just that the comedians, or whatever, but they they opted to kind of just be like, you know what? For my mental sanity, I'm just gonna fucking walk away from all this shit, <laughs> right? Yeah, like, you know, what I'm right. like, like Eddie. Eddie's been out of the spotlight. Like they said, he, you know, if you think about it, he hasn't done stand up in 30 years. You know what I mean? And and it's been a yeah. long. Of, it's been like a decade since he's done like a movie before the Dolomite Joint. And and he was cool with that, you know. So in a weird way, I, I really admire that because people are looking at all the money that you left on the table or money that you didn't take. Um, you know, when Chappelle gave up the. The, the money from Comedy Central, but he yeah. he looks happy as fuck. You know what I mean? And it's like, and that's something that you rarely see with somebody that fucking famous. Yeah,
2: right. Yeah, no, he looks he looks young too. Absolutely, he looks great. Yeah. So you got to meet Dave Chappelle. I think you already talked about it on the it, podcast. Yeah
0: I was, I was, yeah, I was gonna get to it, but yeah, like, yeah, he was he was so unassuming that it made me like him even more because it was funny because i'm 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 in this room with uh the local uh uh yang foundation or the the yang king yeah the yang gang yeah the yang gang (laughs) Wu yang gang clan whatever (laughs) but like he comes in and it was so funny he was wearing like a flannel shirt and a t-shirt under it and a hat yeah and if yeah. I and, and, and the funny thing that first ran through my mind, I was like, damn, that nigga sort of like Dave Chappelle. Like, that, you know, if I saw him on the yeah. street, I'd be like, that homeless guy with a cigarette looks like Dave Chappelle. And it, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And it was yeah. him. And I it loved it. Him. I loved it because, like, where he even chooses to live, like, he's in Ohio on a farm in this very, very, you know, it's a progressive, but it's like a very, it's sort of like, I, I promise you, where he stays, the place he's describing is Asheville. It sounds just yeah. like Asheville. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, because Asheville is kind of the outlier for North Carolina, because North Carolina, just like South Carolina, is a red state, but like Asheville is like this blue part of it. You know what I mean? It's very well. It's a red state. It's
2: a blue state. We have a we have. It is. It's like a It's a purple state.
0: Okay, I got you. Yeah. Yeah. Governor Cooper is blue Democrat.
2: Okay. All right. All right.
0: Yeah. I am I'm, I'm just so used to lumping y'all in with South Carolina, so I don't want to feel like that we're by ourselves in a stupid shit. I think
2: we're a little better. I think we're a little better in North I I agree.
0: I agree. I agree. Just a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> just a little bit. So So,
2: yeah. So I'm I just I just I've been driving this whole time and I'm going to my uh, my alma mater. I'm going to walk around Warren Wilson campus here for a minute. All right. And uh It's like it's all shut down because of corona. Well I'll see where I where I can park.
0: So uh, as far as creating. Yeah. Have you been writing more or less during during this? Ah jeez, let's see.
2: Well, I don't know. What I can I don't know if it's more or less. All I can say is I'm definitely still writing. And like because the reason why I can't say more or less is because it's like sometimes I'll write a lot but I don't like it that much. I got you. And then sometimes I'll write like one thing, but it's like, this is better than 90% of everything else I've been writing. Yeah. You know? So it's like, what am I, am I writing more or less? I don't, I can't really say, but, but I am writing and I did just write something that um, I really like. It's with a, it's a collaboration on a beat from uh, this guy who goes by the name of motherhood. And he's one half of robots win, which is a, one of the, one of the best Asheville, Groups like a duo that does some electronic stuff. Word. Um, so, I'm working on something for him that is really helping me process my emotions right now, you know?
0: Word. Well, that's, that's like, that's what I want to hear.
2: Like, super, super good. Um, yeah, I actually wanted to tell you some of the lyrics I was just writing. So, the first line is it's like, what is that? It's like, everybody's doing too much. I'm always in my feelings and I'm I'm sensitive to touch, yeah. I stack my thoughts up to the ceiling, theology appealing, apocalypse revealing, what? Eventually, I'll get my confidence back. Oh, what was it? Eventually, I'll get my confidence back. Oh, man. Forgot the next line. Something, my brain. Something. I don't smoke. Brain. No, it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but before, first, but before I do that, I better smoke some crack. Hey, <laughs> yeah, yeah. let me get a let me get a cold writing uh, edit on that. <laughs> okay. No, was it eventually? Eventually, I'll get my confidence back. Um. Uh, and then the next line was like, oh yeah, eventually I'll get my confidence back. Uh uh something uh, got to uh link up with my link up with that guy and, and put my heart down on the track put my heart down on the track boy and then it was and the last line was my favorite line which was um until then i'm getting strong without you i'll buy myself writing lyrics about you uh because it's like i'm getting stronger without you but really, I'm just going into my emotions about the whole thing, and that's like that's my process of getting stronger without you. Like going into the emotion rather than be, like rather than shutting it off and yeah. trying to avoid
0: it. Yeah, you, right? You lean into it. It's, it's, I it's lean into like, it. It's like it's like unboxing. The when you run away from a punch, that's when you get punched. <laughs> right? Like, right. The, right. The, the secret is you gotta you gotta go into it in order to maneuver your way properly. I got a question for you, kind of in okay. that in that regard. I remember, and this kind of ties into boxing, too, because I have a a Mike Tyson ideal. And I want to see what you think about this before I get you off of here. It's like Sade said in an interview that she's like, I make music when I'm completely depressed, like when I'm emotionally bankrupt. She's like, that's when I I make music. So, Mm -hmm. So as selfish as I am about wanting to hear new Sade music, in a weird way you don't way. you don't want to in yeah. a weird way i'm happy when i don't hear from her because okay well she's in a good place and so when yeah. she's announcing that she has a new album uh how do how do i handle that <laughs> you, well here, here's
2: know? the well here's here's what i would say was that like so okay i was imagining i was like wow this lyric okay so uh my ex-girlfriend like she all uh, really liked mac miller mm-hmm. um and she would show me the mac miller that she didn't like which was more like his like which was more like his like MC minded, like, uh, I mean, even just she would tell me different raps and like some raps would be more like, you know, bragging about how good a rapper he is, which she's like, yeah, Yeah. he's not really saying much. Right. And I was like, okay, true. Even though I like this, like I kind of like this more. But I was like, I see what you're saying, because in the other parts, he's like, really he's being way more witty on like a lot like his witty lines are more piercing when they're about like his his emotions and it's not so much about him being a rapper and that you know and like bragging and stuff and but it's more like it's more emotional and it's and it's more like oh man that's pain coming out yeah not you're not bragging. You're actually kind of crying on the track.
0: Oh no, when, when, you know? when it's bragging, that's like a that's a defense mechanism. <laughs> yeah, when you, you're you bragging, know? it's like you're not really telling me anything. Yeah, yeah, it's really like... you're just
2: okay, cool. You're you're smart. You know how to rhyme words and shit. But when you but when you're like cry when your lyrics amount to you're like crying on this track, he, then you're saying something that like hits you and like so this so this track, I was like you know I, I've been writing songs for my ex about my ex. Not that she like. <laughs> he's even gonna hear them.
0: Oh, she, oh, she gonna or... hear <laughs> okay. Well, she goes. As soon as you on stage, you know, when the Rona is over and we can't, you know, we can be in a room with more than three people. She'll be in the audience trying to chill, sipping a, a mai tai, pretending I like, so. yeah, yeah, crying. Yeah. She's gonna, oh, That's yeah, sound, yeah,
2: probably not. That, that, I doubt that it. sounds beautiful. <laughs> look, man, you
0: win a Grammy but, for it. That's all. That's but listen, yeah. Revenge.
2: So, well, listen, so. So uh so uh what was i going to say okay so 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 yeah i was like okay finally i i've been i've been working on this song for a while and and i had a whole different verse that i was i was doing and i was like yeah okay so when i show this to her or like if she ever if she ever hears it i was like she, this is like one of those mac track like one of those mac mellow tracks that like she would not like i was mm-hmm. like okay hey. i was like dang it so then today I was like, I was like, you know what? I need to like turn up the, tr- the, the, the track really loud in my house, get in the bathtub and just like sit there completely relaxed, turn off the lights and like write the real verse that's going to go into this. So that's what I did. And, and, uh, I wrote what I just told you and I was like this, this, la- especially that last one where it's just like, you know, in the, uh, until then I'll be getting strong without you. I'll by myself writing lyrics about you, like that is more pain, that is more getting it out, but also it's also hope and pain at the same time, and that's one of those lines that I was like, man, i hope I hope she hears this, but I was like, by the time she hears this, mm-hmm. I'm gonna have been gone through the process, you know, it takes a long time to get tracks out sometimes like i'll yeah. I'll record it, so that's what I was that's just tying back to the Shaday remark was like, you know, like. By the time you hear it, she's already processed through all that pain, turned it into music, and now is making money off
0: of it. So, yeah. Yeah.
2: It's kind of back to being okay, right? She's probably back to being okay, but it is evidence that she did go through something.
0: I got you. Yeah. That yeah. I, I get that. I guess as an independent artist, it's like we go through that pain and then we still don't get money for it. So we're like, well fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so like, so yeah. that not everybody can like not everybody <laughs> can go through a breakup and have a worldwide tour and make money off that bitch, yeah. right?
2: <laughs> yeah. No, for that, the independent ah, artist you <laughs> Yeah. When whenever whenever you hear my pain, it's like you can be sad because I felt the pain and then sad because I spent like 800, 800 pucks on that one track and like the artwork
0: Yo, exactly. It's like, <laughs> and
2: you know, and I'm probably only got back 200.
0: Yeah, my musical, my musical career, I've made dozens of dollars. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> so if you yeah. have a, if you have a first rounds on me, when we can go to a bar again, but, um, yeah, we getting close to this 30 minute mark, man. Is there any, uh, is there any, uh, parting words mm-hmm. you want to say for our two listeners? Hey,
2: oh mom. let's see um i don't know i'm just really hey mom what's up hey preaches mom um i'm just uh i don't know man i just I appreciate your friendship i appreciate you you know letting me get on here uh there was some things that i probably forgot to ask you i want actually you know what man i kind of wanted to ask you some questions about your music yeah, but what i you,
0: what you, no, no let's go let's go what you got
2: okay well yeah i just wanted to uh i don't know how much you know you've Told people about the album that you're preparing, uh, but it's one of my favorite albums. I think it's my favorite work that you've put out so far. I really liked the last project. I mean, I like all your projects, but like the last project was very cohesive, had a very coherent, cohesive sound. And I liked how you sounded so pissed off, and you sound like you really <laughs> got some, you got something, you got something off your chest, you yeah, know. So yeah. I just wanted to know, you know, how would you compare this the upcoming project to the last project in terms of like, where are you coming from in your psyche, in your emotions? Like,
0: um, what's I, the difference? I think, I think the difference is, is nigga, I'm old. And I think that th- there's, there's like really greatness in patina. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like the, the last project, you're, you're busy trying to prove shit to people. Right. And, 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 and right. To, to a certain degree, you know, in all honesty, when you're trying to prove it, people, you're trying to push it to yourself, right? And it's like, you know, I want to make this record. Right. it's like, yo, you know, if if, if such and such hit is, I want them to love this and blah, 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 blah. And then it got to the point where I came to this conclusion as being an artist. It's like the Miles Davis quote where he says, it takes a long time to sound like yourself. And I get it because if you listen to early Miles stuff, he sounds like everybody that inspired him. Because you, right. can't, you can't tell the difference between Miles and Dizzy Gillespie or his earlier stuff. You know he's trying to play the trumpet the way Bird plays the saxophone, but it's a beautiful thing when you get it. And I think yeah, and I think that like on Kind of Blue, like he he really hits exactly. He's he's himself now. He's 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 that person now. Where you know there's this there's this thing that I think about as far as like being an artist or a passion. And this album is named after my grandmother. It's called Francis, and it's and it's based on my inspiration for her and I did a one man show here in Columbia called Black as Fuck where the majority of it was basically me talking about a relationship with her and the relationship with my grandmother is basically kind of a a uh identification as a black person growing up in the South. So all those experiences come kinda come together with the music, with the art, all the stuff that I do. I'm a southern black hip hop dude. You know what I mean? Like at the very core of me, there's something to that. And so with with this project I named it after her because I was working on music and then I just stopped after she passed away. And, mm-hmm. and and you know, it's like you go through that emotional turmoil, but me starting to communicate again and starting to work on music again, she became the inspiration because I'm like, you know, the art I'm supposed to do is supposed to be a love letter to the ancestors. Like everything I'm mm-hmm. supposed to do is like, yo, she. I want her to be proud of this. I want her to understand where I'm coming from with it. And so when you had that approach with it, I tell people that a passion, <laughs> your passion is like fucking. It's like okay. It's like my theory is, you know, a lot of people don't do shit if they're not good at it, right? But fucking, but fucking, you, you're gonna do it. Like you, you're compelled. Like nobody's gonna say, "Oh, I'm gonna turn down, i turn down <laughs> this uh, blow job because I'm just not very good." Like you're very you, good you, at yeah, it. Yeah, you, 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 you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna do it because because yeah. you're compelled to do it. And when you look at your passion that way. When you think from that perspective of, am I an artist? Do I have to create? Even if it's not me just making music. Like, I got to write something. I got to design something. I got to try to take pictures. There's something in me that has to be creative. And when you learn that about yourself, creating music is totally different. It's like, all right, well, I'm not making this shit for you. I'm making this because there's a, a, a necessity in me that I got to write this song. I got to record Whoa. this video. I got to put this. And as soon as you come to that conclusion with with your passion Everything else falls into place, and I so so what I think what you're hearing with this new shit is me not really giving a fuck. Like I got my stripes, you know what I'm saying? Like 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 I yeah. I have I have those things where got your feather in your in your cap. The people that I look up to, fuck with it. The people that I look up to see it, and it's like you know steel sharpens steel, and it's like when 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 you start to meet the people that you look up to, and they talk to you as not, an equal, not only as an equal. But but as a comrade and they search you for advice, there's nothing better than that. And so. Yeah. And so because well, they're, look,
2: they're looking at you, you're like the raw magma coming up from the ground, you know, like you're the raw thing that doesn't have, you know, a bunch of money behind you pushing you up. Exactly. So like you're actually the passion that like the lifeblood coming up. And I think when somebody just being, you know, independent artist. uh you know, basically, mostly having an audience here in Asheville, um, you know, just having my little, my little, my little, I'm the king of a little tiny mountain, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, there's. I'm not the only one either. There's multiple kings, I guess, whatever. Maybe I'm just like a duke. But uh, anyways, having my little place here in the, in the, like, music ecosystem in Asheville, in this part of North Carolina, like, I grow I get to to realize it's very humbling, and at the same time, it's like I get to realize that I do have a couple superpowers in my pocket because of it. From time to time, there's you know there's people, but it's it's weird that's like I'm not necessarily on the ground, but I'm still on the ground. It's like I'm floating a couple inches off the ground, but that's still cool, right? Yeah, that's absolutely. still like yeah. amazing.
0: Yeah, and yeah. and I think times like this where. You know, people that aren't like this. If you want to find like when we talk about like, you know, when politicians are like, oh, you know, America is built on small businesses or whatever. I right. feel I feel art is built on the independent artists. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's like oh, you, yeah. you might have your Drake's in the world, but those top pop stars, they're like the Oh, 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 one percent. The people that make that machine run are independent artists. when you talk about venues in the city, when you talk about oh, artists need yeah. be read about in the paper, when you talk about people doing shows and concerts, it's mostly independent artists. not everybody has a fucking record deal. not everybody's on a fucking major. So yeah so we keep the engine going and I and I say I say that in the sense of times like this during the Rona, the people that are creative but they've had all these luxuries, They don't know how to handle it, where I think that the creatives that are independents that are used to kind of scrapping, that are used to, yeah. that are used to trying to be creative and put shows and events yeah. together. We've been doing shows together one for over a decade, and there's been yeah. ways where we're like, "Yo, I want to throw this fly show at an art gallery." People aren't doing anything like this. Let's figure this out. Let's do this. Let's do that. And we would make decisions to do events that, even if they don't pay a lot of money, we're like, "We want to get to the people." That's the backbone of this shit. And so, and so, in a time like this where everybody is struggling this is kind of like, this is kind of fertile fertile soil for us because we're like, yo, all right, well, now you see what we're dealing with. Now you, well, don't, you don't have the big bag or the big money machine behind you. Now you have to be honest with yourself, with yourself and be out there with people and, 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 and be vulnerable. This is our bag, yeah. <laughs> you
2: know? Yeah, yeah. Now you've got to make, th- like, you've got to do a, uh... Uh, an IG stream from home because exactly. you don't really have an option. <laughs> you know,
0: or, or, or you can't go to your fucking makeup artist. You can't go to yeah, your exactly. Barber. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so you can't go to the barber. And it, it, if there's one thing about the Rona Rona and and artist, it's the great equalizer. It's like yeah. I who can who can right. still create without the glamour and the glitz and the pyrotechnics and the explosions. Right. And, you know what I'm saying? That's yeah. that's what it boils down to.
2: But also, like, we do it, you know, we do it to survive, to get through, like, emotionally right now. Like, I'm glad I have a song to work on. Absolutely. Like, when I, when my friend sent me a beat and I heard the beat, I was just like, you know, initially, I. R- I initially.
0: Remind me, I got something to sing you after this, too. I got to oh, Okay. For you too. Yeah.
2: Okay, good. Um, but initially, okay, I'm going to remind you right now. Send me that record.
0: <laughs> Word. Uh,
2: no. <laughs> uh, no, but. Uh, and sometimes like when I hear a beat it's kind of like a relationship when I when I first have like maybe an opportunity for a relationship I'll like push it away and be like that's not it's okay but it's not that good but then if I sit with it for a minute I'll be like oh my god this is actually an amazing beat you know like I'm not gonna I, I'm gonna let it get to my heart and then once it does like now I'm just in it and now I'm like processing all this stuff and so I had a Mm-hmm. So it's like I'm a music teacher, and it's like this private uh school for boys and and i'm a music I'm a music teacher and like my boss there he was like he was like he's trying to get me more gigs basically with with these clients and uh, he's like, you know now's right now is the time where like we have to win like you have to like you have to keep working and and do be you know continue to be a teacher continue to do this because right now is like the point when we're like when our team you know your team whatever could lose or win and it's like the hardest point but you got like now's the time where you just got to kill it
0: absolutely you know
2: everything's everything's come everything is like really heavy and hard and weird and we don't know the future but right now is the time to be the best teacher like right now is the time to to make them the best music right now is the time to do everything as well as you possibly can because you know that because we just we just don't know what what the, what the, what the, the future holds and so right now it's like we're most powerful in actually creating the future if we just continue to do our passion
0: what what i, what I love that came out of this if there's like a, a silver lining to this and i hear motherfucking birds chirping in the background it's kind of it's kind of cool it's like yeah you know the amount of camaraderie that i've seen that come from 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 artists and creatives that want to support each other want to look out for each other like I've been doing gigs where there's a there's a neighborhood here in Columbia that they're doing a a social distant block party where they the the people in the neighborhood pay for talent to come to this house there's a guy that like that makes and restores houses so he has a house he has a house in the neighborhood that he lives in and it's empty because you know it's like this, he's selling it, whatever. But it's like it's kind of like the house that he has for the artists. Like, hey, you need to use the bathroom. You need to crash here. Blah 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 blah. But you set up on the porch, you perform, and the people in the neighborhood sit on their, you know, they sit on their porches with their lawn chairs and they listen. And the people in the neighborhood pay the artists. The people in the neighborhood nice. they, they say, look, here's, they're like, here's the, here's an amount that we want to pay these people. Everybody chip in. And a lot of times you get yeah. more tips than that, and that's and that's what happened with me is that we, we we planned on a base price, and I got well more than that because the people in the community gave a fuck about it, and that's something that I don't yeah. think I would have seen if it wasn't for this. So like, a lot of times, yeah. crisis brings the worst out of people, but but on the other end of the spectrum, you get to see really great humanity in the arts community um, when our backs are against the wall because people really do give a fuck and they really do care, and and it's really, yeah. really great to see that too.
2: Yeah, dude, I have a a show coming up uh, at the end of this month, and it's at this place called the Apocalypse Theater. Mm-hmm. And it's a uh, every it's a drive-in like movie and music venue. <laughs> yeah,
0: <Yo, we>, and
2: <laughs> word. dude, you you could do one too if you wanted.
0: I, if you wanted I liter- to literally, I want to come there and do that. But literally, um, I literally was talking yesterday about I was gonna do a pop-up um drive-in movie thing here and play like black exploitation movies so we'll talk about that yeah and so yeah tell me tell me about the thing that you got going on when we get off of here and and i'll be out there so you let me know what you need uh, i'll be there
2: okay i just want to say one more thing though before we go uh about your your new record and and the one before that so you know when like um okay so when when compton came out with Dre's, Dre's compton mm-hmm. so some of the ways that he rapped on that right were like a little like a lot more aggressive, right? He's like yelling.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: You know, right? And then also, um uh Gangstar's last album, The Owners. Yeah, there's yeah. like there's like this interlude, you know, where he does this like I think it's actually the intro where he's like, you know, he does he says some Black Panther stuff. Yeah. He's like, you know, ears and eyes the fuck open. But he's like yelling and it's like it's like through like a distorted a yeah, mic or something. Yeah. Right, so <clears throat> I, I like that. I like those moments, but it's like, man, when your OG is yelling, it makes me afraid.
0: I got you. Oof. You know what I'm saying? Oof.
2: Like when the OG who's supposed to be in charge
0: yeah.
2: is yelling, yeah. it's like, wow, something must be wrong. Yeah. Because usually, especially with Dre and... Uh, a
0: guru. Yeah,
2: yeah they both are like the chill guys. That's like it's a guy they got a comforting voice. They're like the OGs. They're like the old guys that don't have to put out put out all that anger and effort to still impact you. It's more like the elegance of their of their of their vibe that hits you the hardest, right? Yeah. So that's kind of how to, I would compare your last project to this one. Is this one is more of the OG, you know? All right. This one is more of. Just hitting your stride and having all the beats are like pretty much immaculate. Um, I'm glad to be on several of them yeah, yeah, for yeah, once, yeah, right? Yeah, you're talking about for once.
0: <laughs> we we, we needed a motherfucking EP and I got another record for you. Uh, yeah. no, it's years years. Uh, let's get out of here. What's your social media shit so people can stalk you and all the good stuff? Uh, Juan
2: underscore Holiday, H O L L A D A Y um on instagram and then you can also look up look me up on facebook and stuff like that what's juan what's holiday
0: what's your latest two songs what's your latest two songs that you oh what I, right?
2: what i really want mm-hmm. what i really want featuring sebastian's campaign that's the best one and then also the bomb uh those are both on all um music streaming platforms you know that. under juan juan holiday h-o-l-o-a-d-a-y holla day.
0: You know what I gotta do? I gotta do another mix. What? I gotta do a mix or somebody today with like some, some like soul and R&B and hip-hop shit. I'm gonna put,
2: yeah. I'm
3: gonna put that on the mixes um, today. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Appreciate it. Alright, man. Let me um, get done with this interview and then I'll talk to you for a couple minutes after this. Uh, All this right. is the Nico League podcast. Juan, I love you. Thank you so much. And we's All out. I love you too. Peace. Peace. If this episode wasn't long enough, I wanted to put Juan's new single at the end of this starting now. It's called The Bomb. Enjoy.
1: No, I think the money, like about, uh, you spent $100,000 on a study the no damn
3: well that you exploit and humiliate these people. You don't need a study to do that. You need a conscience to stop it and put the money in a productive channel to help people. Uh, you don't need to keep studying this problem. I can tell you a little about it. And certain soul foods like pinto beans, Lima beans and black-eyed peas cost less on Lexington Avenue than they cost in Harlem. Now this is the continual
1: exploitation and chain grocery stores upping the prices on the day before welfare checks. Together, and these type of
3: things continue to go on and on. And in each community, it's the same problem, only different by locality. What did I do? I must have dropped the bomb, baby. Uh, uh, uh. Fire My government coveting was under Arabic sands. Just trying to get some assets in hand traps Passing on foreign lands My homie cousin joined the military And he said they had a blast in Japan You better read a history book about as fast as you can Can you tell me what's really going on in Afghanistan It was with all the opium and heroin, huh? Epidemic on my street, tell me where it comes from Reactivate the call to smash the state and move it past the hate to a loving place. Now reiterate the family in the space where we once felt the need to discriminate. Based on assumptions, fake and superfluous. Unity, the truest, make a revolution to alleviate the bluest face. Formulate a plan, the CIA, we anticipate. Educate, great, get your friends to participate. Act local, think global. I know what I heard somebody say on every street corner. Let the situation escalate. Until the home base self perpetuates. Then take it to the inner states and intersections. Interject for true confessions, initiate the introspect invocate a common blessing check check them just test it to see how many souls in the globe are still questing for the truth that's always changing yet somehow stays the same thing throughout all the ages a paradox amazing check what i'm phrasing i'll leave your cipher blazing stargazing god praising uh watch spaceman flip yo i better say the same thing what did i do i must have dropped
1: Chairman can tell you about it in this area,
3: and now are many capable books that have been written. Gunnar Myrdal, a white man, if you won't accept a black man, told you about it 20 years ago, and you couldn't hear. Uh, I don't
1: know where we are, how why we have to keep studying the problem. I mean, you know that we got rats, rats in everybody's garbage can in Harlem. You nobody needs to tell you to study that. You know how we continue to explore it.